0: Hello, this is Bart Sharp with Becoming Quantum Conscious on the United Public Radio Network and UFO Paranormal Radio Network at 107.7 and 105.3 out of the beautiful city of New Orleans, Louisiana. And worldwide, we are on platforms such as YouTube, Facebook, Spreaker, and others. And as well, we are on Roku. So you can see us on cable television and see how lovely we are. And uh, today, um, I'm going to shake it up a little bit differently and do a show by myself uh, out of my home in Austin, Texas, as I'm usually at. And today's show is on Your Greatest Limiting Emotion. And um, this is something I work with as doing shamanic work. That's part of my business is working with individuals and groups, but mostly individuals where we go into the deep traumas uh, that people have repressed inside of themselves or a lot of other weird stuff, (laughs) basically. You you never know what's going to happen. I get a lot of clients that... Um, find that therapy or some of the typical type of energy work hasn't helped them because there's something very peculiar with them. And my specialty is in body consciousness. And that what that means is the body has all the answers to all of your repressed, unresolvable emotions per se. Uh, the answers are all within, as they say, in biblical terms, and other terms. And I'm a true believer in that. And it's a matter of learning how to ask questions. And, and part of what that process has been for me is um, just going deeply into the what is repressed in various parts of the body. In other words, we hold a lot of our anger in our gut, uh, sadness and anger in our spleen, different traumas in our hearts, uh, in our livers, and in various other places. It's always amazing how the body holds things. It's not exactly an exact science However, um, there is a lot of tendencies there. And uh, one of the uh, things in my own curiosity, because I'm always looking for ways to understand consciousness, I think it's a never-ending journey to be completely evolved, infinite, so to speak. Uh, (laughs) It doesn't come in a day. Uh, it's, um, it's always learning new ways of how we repress things. And then probably the second part of it is to develop new energies that have you vibrate a different frequency. And then of course, the third step in that is doing things that match your new energetic, emotional, conscious growth. And uh, we attract new relationships. We go to new places we've never been before, different hobbies, maybe different professions, things that just match the new us. And this is a big part of what this growth and development is. And so one part of this, and, and I really learned this from uh, Tony Robbins um, as I was watching a YouTube video, uh, God bless YouTube, about Tony Robbins talking about your greatest limiting story. And it was just uh, kind of fascinating. Um, And Tony says that he can get to your greatest limiting emotion with a private session with him. Probably $20,000 these days, something like that. Who knows? (laughs) But I find that, you know, we can all learn how to develop these types of skills. And and I do it in my own work, doing shamanic and uh, work with access consciousness that we can start finding these things. And also one of the most important tools to use in this process is some form of muscle testing or applied kinesiology. In other words, you ask your body questions and you get responses in a yes, no Uh, answer format. And you can really start to hone down uh, what is your greatest limiting story. And the greatest limiting story, just to begin in that concept is, it's something that we have happening in our thoughts daily, for some people, hour by hour some people several times within the hour, a message that is our limitation, our biggest limitation, the one that we kind of hit a wall against, and we're always trying to overcome it with a reactionary emotion or a reactionary thought or a reactionary uh, action response to um, combat it. And, um, this is generally done in an unconscious way. it's it's like a habit. We are stimulated by emotional response that is directly related to our greatest limiting story. And then we react to it. And this is all done without of us without us even thinking about it. It's just happening. It's happening in our thoughts. It's just like that. And um, it's really what a lot of people run by. It's their unconsciousness. And and today we're going to really go into what that is, uh, the basis of it, the construction of it, stories of how it's worked or not worked in other people's lives, and some tools on how to uh, resolve it And um, then what's on the other side? Because when we are living in a reactionary state to our greatest limiting emotion, basically, we're using up tons of energy to combat it. Either we're trying to repress those emotional responses or our mind is working twice as hard trying to push back the negativity of the greatest limiting story. Uh, and move on with our lives, to be creative, to, you know, manifest something that we really like. Um, And we're often doing this in a duality. And duality is one of the greatest limitations on the planet, by the way, of people trying to basically move away from something that is negative or unattractive or undesired and trying to move away from it with a reactionary response or an emotion. Uh, And this is a very big part of the greatest limiting story. For example, if we feel we are unwanted and we feel ashamed of that, we might be responding by that with a fear that we are... Unwanted, so there's a shame that we believe that I'm going to be doing this a lot of this duality. That's how I represent it one finger going one way, the way finger going the other. But it's how they work, it's almost like two energies working against each other. And so, when you learn what they are and you kind of sever that connection, all of that energy dissipates and it kind of gets to become your own choice and how you want to use it after that. Um, But the first step in it is learning the clarity. So if we have a shame that we're unwanted, unworthy, and then we have a fear that maybe, well, I have to try harder. Otherwise, people will not like me. You know, my father won't love me, or my mother won't love me, or my siblings won't love me. That's how that duality starts to work. And, if, you know, one of the keys to it is beginning to understand how we've done it. What is our pattern? And these patterns happen at a very early age. You know, somewhere between birth, six years old, seven years old. Generally, though, it's happening at age two, three, four. That's when we really are beginning to create core patterns. And often we create these core patterns by just in reaction to our family and our siblings. Um, So all of that is part of a bigger, complex picture of what a family is because everybody in a family has their role. They have their parts. They're reacting to one parent's behaviors or rejections or love or or maybe a little bit of all of that. And we start to formulate who we are. And so when we get into the core limiting story, we have to understand those whole dynamics. Um, and, you know, it's funny, when I work with people with this stuff, I can start to see those core limiting powers With um, within an hour or two. They start to become apparent. And the more that we learn about what our core limiting story is, we refine it and we really learn how to get specific about all the ins and outs of it. And you know, and hone it into what is specifically our greatest limiting story. And uh, when we start to learn, well, that is my story, we're on the path to resolving it, not living in it. You know, and it takes a little bit of intuition. It takes a little bit of knowing your life and knowing what happened to you and to do that type of therapeutic approach. That is very much a necessity in becoming whole is that logical, rational process of reviewing your life. Whether you do it alone or in a group or with a therapist, it's all good stuff. So that's a big part of it is learning that, but also we can take a faster track with learning our greatest limiting story by Muscle testing and seeing what our greatest limiting emotion is—the uh, greatest limiting emotion and the greatest limiting story—kind of go hand in hand. Surprisingly so, or, or not surprisingly so, because they are one goes with the other. It's it's um, it just works that way, and so. When we start to look about, well, what are those emotions that people uh, have? We can get it down to five basic emotions. We don't want to get too complex with this. (laughs) The complexity happens later when we really start to um, understand our story and the complexity of what the emotions are and also where they're held in the body, in all of these places. Uh, That's when it gets complex. However, you can start a muscle test and find out what are your greatest limiting emotions. And when we talk about the five limiting emotions, we have three of those emotions that are the core emotions and two other emotions that are more reactionary emotions. And it, cover, it pretty much covers a big part of our emotional world, but there are other emotions beyond this, uh, just to say, that, that do come in and, and play a part of this all. But the five basics are the best place to start. And the three core emotions are where you begin. So, with that said, we'll have a sip of water and go into the three core emotions. And the first one is shame. Shame, it's probably the lowest vibration of all emotions. The second one is sadness. And the third one is fear. So all emotions kind of have one of these three emotions underlying it. And that's where the duality starts to come into play. So shame, sadness, and fear are the three core emotions. Now, we also have as a fourth emotion that also feels like it's a dominant emotion for the planet. Uh, Everybody does it. And very few people have allowance for it. Uh, Yet, everybody is living or avoiding this particular emotion, which is anger. Anger reacts to one of the three core emotions of shame, sadness, and fear. There's a big duality happening with so many people with anger in the, core, the three core limiting emotions. Now, the fifth emotion, and this came from a therapist, and I really like this. Uh, explanation. The fifth emotion is arousal. And arousal can be a variety of things. It can be love, various forms of love. It can be caretaking. It can be joy. It can be happiness. It can be anything that is attempting to elevate your mood to something positive. In other words, arousal could be watching television because it makes you feel better. you get to relax. Uh, it could be uh, it could be sex, it could be smiling. it could be petting your dog. <laughs> all of these are all emotional f- responses you know and subtle things, but we'll just take it as a blanketed emotion and call it arousal or or love. I, I have a tendency to use that as well. And there's so many things that fit under that umbrella. And you know, a big one is caretaking. And so those are your five emotions sadness, shame, fear, anger, and arousal. And so if we want to get to learning our core limiting story, we need to find out what is the core limiting emotion. And it's actually located in a specific place in our body. Uh, Of course, it's held and repressed in a lot of places in our body. And how this works, if you're new to uh, this body consciousness design, is repressed emotions are held within your body. And then it affects the mind to think certain ways. So, Energy responses, uh, neurological responses from emotions affect your thinking and they percolate your thoughts to have certain thoughts. If you ever wondered why you cannot get rid of a thought or why you always think that away or why certain thoughts seem to just keep recurring and you just can't get rid of them. Well, you're probably not dealing with them on a body consciousness level. And if you keep wondering, well, why do I keep making the same mistakes, doing the same patterns over and over again, picking the same types of girlfriends, boyfriends, uh, friends, um, had the same amount of money, seem to make the same kind of mistakes, if I haven't uh, mentioned that, It's because we are living the same emotional patterns and our unconsciousness guides us to do the same things over and over again. Now, this isn't a way to punish us. It's really a way to teach us in the hopes that if we make the same mistakes again and again, we'll wake up one day and go, wait a minute. I need to deal with this. This is how I get free of it. So, you know, this is this is the whole premise of what the ego is, is a way to introduce us to our old patterns again, patterns again and again. So maybe we'll finally get it. Uh, and, And the first first thing that you have to do if you want to step into that arena is have some sincerity, vulnerability and openness to go, wait a minute, I'm making the same mistakes again and again. As opposed to the way to not to do it is maybe to blame others like, oh, they did do this to me. Now, was their fault. Or, you know, I just hate this. This is horrible. This is terrible. And you feel that futility that something isn't going to ever change. That's how we enmesh ourselves into doing the same patterns again and again, which is not much fun. And, you know, we can do it so much better and easier. So going back to the greatest limit emotion and the greatest limiting story. There's um, a location where we start to pay attention to where this neurological phenomenon of holding the greatest limiting story is. And that is in the back of the solar plexus. Now your solar plexus is right below your rib cage where, you know, it kind of extends up and there's a spot right above your stomach, but right below your rib cage in that little V area. That's in the front of the solar plexus. And if we go straight back from that to our spine, that is the back of the solar plexus. And we have to understand what the solar plexus is energetically to begin with, to understand our greatest limitation and our greatest limiting story. So the solar plexus, you know, a lot of people say that its whole function is taking action. And in a way that's true, and often we take actions from our emotions. It's very common. And um, I just offered this point of view that we can start taking actions without such unconscious emotions, Strongly unconscious emotions. But maybe feel something emotionally or maybe just be in a place of neutrality and balance. And we make our decisions from there. That's what you're looking at when your solar plexus and your greatest limiting emotions and your greatest limiting stories are resolved. Is that we... Start to have a clarity there. But I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit. Let's go with the limitations. So in the back of the solar plexus is where the greatest limiting story is. And this is in your spine. Um, And we have to understand the solar plexus itself. It's about this big, about the size of a tennis ball. At least for me. Um, it depends on the size of the person, of course. And vibrations, frequencies come entering into the back of the solar plexus in this tennis ball size opening energetically. And they go from the back to the front. And that process of going from the back of the solar plexus to the front of the solar plexus, that tennis ball-size opening, when it enters into the body, suddenly gets smaller and smaller to where it gets to the place right in the middle, between front and back. And at that point, it is reduced to the size of 1,064 cells. So it is super tiny, microscopic tiny right at that point. And we call that, you could call it the center of the chakra, but also some people call it the reference point. I call it the God space. In other words, this is a place if we became totally resolved in our solar plexus and we were in a state of resolution with our emotions within the solar plexus domain the god space would be very clear to us and it's really connection to the god within you that's what it's all about right in the god space place so that's from the back of the solar plexus right to the middle is a god space and then from the middle to the front it starts to enlarge again to when it's right at the front of the solar plexus. It's tennis ball size again. And in that place in the front of the solar plexus, it is leaving the body. And this is where we hold a reactionary emotion to our core limiting emotion. This is how the whole energetic Dynamics of duality begins. And when we think of the solar plexus in an energetic way, we think of it as a torus. In other words, energy is coming from the back, from our surroundings. We're picking up energy from, you know, things in a very large radius, you know, maybe a thousand feet, two thousand feet, half a mile, et cetera, et cetera. Some people it's much larger. We're picking up all of this energy in this Taurus and then it goes through our body and then it exits. And what it does is it makes a big circle as Taurus is And that's a T-O-R-U-S. So it's doing this, but it's not doing it just at a, as a vertical way it's doing it in a 360 degree design. In other words, It's going out in all directions, up, down, sideways, right, left, horizontally. But it's doing this big circle and it's taking in energy from all of our surroundings. It's how we absorb the emotional, energetic, vibrational world around us. And of course, all chakras do this whether it be the second chakra or the heart chakra or the third eye chakra. And they are processing various levels of vibrations, frequencies, energies, etc. Each one has a different uh, purpose. But the solar plexus is the emotional world. It is the feelings around us. And so when we take in energies Around us, if we, for example, are around a group of very angry people, maybe we're sitting at a football game. <laughs> I like to watch football games. <laughs> Everybody's really mad because their team is messing up and making mistakes, and they're really frustrated. Well, we're going to just hook right into that energy of everybody in the football stadium, and uh, and and we're most uh, most likely. We're going to have ang- you know, reactions of anger, but also we may be reacting to a way like in our childhood when people were angry around us like our father or our mother in the same way. We may feel ashamed or sad or fearful at the same way, but our responses might be angry like everybody else in the football stadium. And that's kind of a big complex picture of how the emotions work. And we'll go back more into that as this talk goes on. But I wanted to get into that. Well, now there's one more thing I want to mention. Uh, the whole purpose of talking about this solar plexus is you can find out what your core limiting emotion is. And this is really important to do and, and a really um, Probably the most logical way to do it, scientific way to do it, is to muscle test it. And you just ask, it's really simple. You um, bring your focus on your solar plexus or the back of the solar plexus. And then you ask, what's my core limiting emotion? And you ask, is it shame? Is it sadness? Or is it fear? And you notice which one gets a reaction. And you might be doing it as some people, like they hold their hand out and somebody will press down and they say, is it shame? And it's strong. You go, oh, it's shame. Is it sadness? It's weak. So you know it's not sadness. Is it fear? It feels weak. So you know it's not fear. Uh, and it's really as simple as that, that you can get to your core limiting emotion. And it's really important to know this in order to understand your core limiting story. Because it's starting to get to the basics of how you have reacted in life. Um, And of course, we really need to know our story. You know, what is reoccurring in our lives that seems to be there every day? This feeling about ourselves. And for most people, they've become so habituated to that feeling that, you know, they have pushed it aside and and they really just kind of need to go down a list of uh, stories or because, you know, there's not that many stories really out there. You could probably list out 20 possible core limiting stories and most likely yours would be one of them. It's it's uh, not that hard, and it's a good way to kind of listen to your gut about it. When you when you go down a list of core limiting stories and go, "Wow, that sounds like me," then you confirm can confirm it with muscle testing and such. And you can also do this with the reactionary emotion, but the reactionary emotion changes from time to time due to different situations we are uh, presented or, or in, it can change. Uh, we may have basic reactionary emotions that we have a, the highest tendency to react as, however, it can change. So just FYI. So going back to the core limiting story, um, there's, there's various ones. For for one of them uh, that I find common is I am not good enough. I am lacking. I am lesser. And, of course, when we think about those types of things, we may uh, think, well, that's shame. And and most likely it is. But the best way that when you you hear this, it's like, yep, that's how I feel all the time, that I'm not good enough. And then you need to ask through muscle testing or just trust your gut. And you ask that question, is my core limiting emotion shame? It could be fear. Sometimes some people react in fear and there's no exact science with this. We, you know, often we don't understand why we chose shame as a core limiting emotion or why fear seems to pop up, Uh, and maybe the why isn't the thing to consider. What is good to consider is that it's there. That's what's present in my life. And you go forward with that. So I am not good enough is really common. This is one abandonment. I, I hear this a lot of people saying, I just feel like so much of my life I'm fighting that I'm going to be abandoned again. And abandonment can be a lot of different things. It can be, well, my mom says she loved me, but <laughs> she never was there. So therefore I felt emotionally abandoned. Or maybe they just plain left you when you're at birth, you never met them. Uh, that could be a strong feeling of abandonment. And the thing about abandonment is it has reactions from all three core emotions. It can be any of those three and you cannot really understand why you chose fear. It's not even really choice. It's just choice. It's just is. It just seems like that's how your pattern appears. Uh, so you it could be fear, but it could be sadness or it could be shame in relation to abandonment. Uh, another core Emotion is, I feel separate from others and must give more of myself in order to receive. Uh, Maybe the separation is a part of um, fear that um, they're going to hurt me or they're just not going to include me or they don't even really see that I exist. I'm kind of the kid ignored. You know, all of those things could be that core limiting the story. And the emotion paired with it could be fear, could be sadness, could be shame. Um, Another one is, um, I protect those I love and I never feel like it's enough. So we know that maybe they're using a lot of love as a reactionary emotion, But what is the core emotion in that situation? Am I fear that I'm going to be abandoned? Uh, Or is it that I'm not good enough? Or is it a sadness that no one really ever sees me unless I convince them I'm lovable? I'm worth loving. You know, and, and these are the type of things you just really need to go through muscle testing or feel it with your body. When you say, is it sadness and you feel this resonance inside of you go, oh, yeah, it is sadness for me. Uh, That's kind of how it all works. Um, Another one would be my father will betray me. That's kind of like a core limiting story and feeling that others will betray me. And so there may be this fear that maybe a fear that you're going to be degraded or they're going to ostracize you or that you're just not even going to see that I'm there. And all of them have aspects of betrayal. It's like you as a child are giving them all of this love as a child naturally does. And yet they seem to reject you and betray you or they say they love you. But when it comes down to it, Mm. they would rather be out playing tennis (laughs) (laughs) or someplace else, you know, than being with you. And so we can react to one of those core, I mean, emotions. And hopefully as you listen to this story that I'm telling of these different reactions, you can go, wow, that's me. And then you start to have this insight about your own story. So another one is, I hear the blame my parents put upon me And I feel guilty. And that might be a feeling that, you know, it's my fault that they blame me. And then, as a result, I feel guilty. Or whenever people start pointing fingers, I am in fear that I'm going to be rejected. And you react. Now, you may think, well, Those are kind of the same, but they're really not. You know, we really have to look at the essence of what emotions are. And when I think of shame, I think of it as a contracting energy that doesn't want to move, that doesn't want to shift, doesn't want to take action. And it makes us feel like it's our fault, that we're the one wrong. And we're just kind of stuck in this place that doesn't want to move with that feeling that we're wrong. You know, it's not a really great feeling. You know, so it's a contracting emotion. And this is the same as sadness. Sadness contracts, it doesn't want to move. And we just feel like it's in a low place. And um, it's, it's kind of a hard emotion to deal with for a lot of people for good reason because who wants to feel in a place that's not moving that feels low, down, uh, and sad? Now it's not a fun place whereas fear, anger, and arousal or love are very different. They're not contracted. They are action emotions. They take action, and this is a huge difference between emotions. And generally, we will hold the duality a lot of times of a contracted emotion and an action emotion. Sometimes we'll have an action emotion with it paired with an action emotion, and that is a very different dynamics. I think that an example would be that would be fear and anger, or fear and love. Uh, and those are really typical for a lot of people. They're always taking action. You think, well, that's great. We're, we're, We're moving. We're moving with this stuff, but there's advantages to the contracted emotions in that we have time to reflect. These people are really creative. They stop and be inside of themselves, whereas if you're always in action, you're not going into yourself and finding a deeper answer. So there's pluses and minuses with all of these different uh, dualities with it. So um, just to put that as a food for thought uh, with that, uh, and um, another emotion is I'm sad because I have to be what my parents expect of me instead of following my own desires and in my work doing shamanic work i find this is real common for people who have sadness as their core limiting emotion in other words they'd rather be something else and their heart's desire says yes this would make me so happy to be able to do this and be this type of person but yet My parents have a totally different agenda for me. I'm supposed to stay at home, study hard and be a doctor. Whereas I'm really sad about that because I like art a lot. I like to just go out and play. I want to be with other children, you know, things like that. And so that sadness is holding that in place. And often in that duality, Uh, with the greatest limiting story a lot of these people that are sad like that their uh reactive emotion is often uh love almost like a love that wants to create something very utopian they want to create something that really makes them happy and so they're always working for higher ideas that's really common Uh, So different dualities have different things. For example, um, I knew somebody that was the hero. And um, he was always in fear that he wasn't going to be good enough for his father. He was always in this fear of rejection. And yet he fought for bigger causes all the time. And he literally fought for them. (laughs) He was always the guy that was standing up and shouting, that's wrong, we're not going to do that. And, you know, we'd get into all sorts of conflicts, uh, you know, at all levels. But he was always in that reactionary knee-jerk reaction of, you know, they're not going to like me. They're going to reject me. And I've got to fight for my rights. Um, And so he was always in that fear, but always in the fight. And, and, And he wasn't really slowing down enough to reflect to what that whole energetic dynamics is. Very smart person, but he was always addicted to the fight. And that's what happens with The Greatest Limiting Story as we come addicted to these patterns, we do them over and over and over again to where they just feel right to do. But when we start to stop and look at the dynamics of it, maybe write them out. That's always a great thing to maybe write out, you know what your parents did, what they were like, and how you reacted to them. And, you know, maybe you have a hunch that, uh, you know, this is my greatest limiting story. And as you write, it will become more clear. It's one of the greatest tools we can do is to write these things out. You get more clarity that way than you can ever imagine. You know, and it's always good to do this. Um, you know, with my story, I was a very sick child And I was the youngest of uh, four children. And it was a pretty angry family. We were always fighting and there's a lot of intimidation going on from the older siblings. So due to my sick background as a child, and infant, I learned that weakness was really one of my strengths, or I thought it was my strength. So I was always a kid running home to mama. Uh, having her protect me. And it created this attitude that that's what relationship was, is me showing weakness and vulnerability in that way. And therefore people would like me. It's kind of like a martyr syndrome. <laughs> you know, as I became adult, I really start to see that, wow, Maybe that isn't working. People just see me as weak and puny. And I really started to see that shame behind it and that love and anger in duality. Because a lot of times you have two different emotions and duality with it. And, um, you know, as an adult, I really saw that, wow, I really don't like this pattern. So I begin to change it. And work on my shame issues in the back of my solar plexus, and and literally that's how it was. But also knowing the story and knowing how my behaviors of creating closeness and relationships were all about weakness, showing weakness, being submissive. Um, you know, so I was always the puny kid in class as a child and as a teenager and a young adult. Mm. once you learn the stories though, you can change them. You can be another person. And I'm a testament to that because I am not a weak and puny person now. Sometimes it sneaks up on me, but you know, it's one of those things that you have to always be aware of because it's so ingrained in you, but it doesn't mean it needs to dominate your life. And, And so, you know, these are the things that we we learned, and, and and we learned these things through our parents. You know, our patterns are starting there. Just like in my childhood, I learned it through my mom, who would always take care of me when I was weaker or sick or was bullied by my brothers, that she would come to my rescue. So, therefore, I never learned how to fight and learned, never learned to have that toughness that a young boy that lived on a farm really needed uh, with that. So, you know, it has these things and, and, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, some of the stuff I'm talking about are pretty extreme things because usually if you're going to do therapy or do energy work with somebody that does therapeutic type of things, and I don't want to say that I'm a therapist by any means, uh, this is all an energetic approach. It's not under the guise of therapy. Let's just make that clear because there's a lot of energy workers out there that work on emotions, but yet they're not licensed and they're just from a totally different approach. And, and you really need to know that. So um, there are a lot of people that don't really need this. They have very secure dualities with their emotions in their greatest limiting story. Uh, For example, I I think of my uh, nephew and that, you know, the hardest thing he heard in his life was, son, I'm really disappointed you made that decision. You know, and he may feel a little sad about that, but his parents gave him every opportunity in a supportive way to make a different choice. And they look at him and go, I know you can make a better decision than that. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Let's review this situation about what you did and how to do it better. You know, it's all done in a loving environment and nobody is made as a bad person. It was simply made that they did a mistake. And therefore, this duality isn't so strong. And that person doesn't become addicted to the emotional patterns that you know, strong experiences elicit. Um, so you know, there's there's a lot of people in that place that are not in this greatest limitation conflict, but those of us that have these strong conflicts, you know, we may want to look at this. Now, the gift to resolving this or having a life where you are challenged in very strong, abrupt, neglectful, maybe abusive ways, um, is if you ever do resolve these things, generally your ambition to become a greater person at some level is more profound. There can come, comes, you know, limitations teach us a stronger desire a lot of times. When we really see the limitations of shame or sadness or fear that we've been, you know, kind of stuck in a very deep well with, and we resolve them, the passion we get is so much more profound. And, and that's why you see people that have strong limitations that they grew up in the childhood and you hear the stories that they overcame them and they became a great person. Um, you know, the person that pops up first for me is Mother Teresa. She had a strong doubt that God ever listened to her and that she would never, you know, experience God being in her, in her presence. You know, which is a strong, probably feeling of shame or sadness, maybe even fear. But what she did was, you know, she ran 100 miles an hour to make sure that she got to that state of being where she could know God. You know, and that's a great example of that ambition of how emotions approach us. However, If we learn to resolve these emotions, we get all of this power. We don't have to do it with such stress, like uh, Mother Teresa did. Uh, We don't have to go to Calcutta and work with a lot of really sick, poor, uh, needy people. We might do it in a different way that's easier. But yet, we have learned those lessons to facilitate our greatness. You know that's that's the gift of all of this stuff, is being able to have that. So, one of the really good tools that you can use, you know, I think doing energetic clearings on the back of the solar plexus in the core limiting emotions. In other words, you feel the emotion, and you know what it is. And then you do some sort of energetic transformation in that area. And there's a lot of ways to do that. I use the tools of access consciousness and I literally clear these energies out, but you can approach it in a lot of different ways. I'm I'm not saying that that's the end all be all tool. Um, And the whole thing with uh, dealing with emotions in a body conscious level is you want a higher form of energy or higher vibration of light, energy, uh, or tool that's an energetic cool to come in and interact with the limitation. And that is one of the best tools you can use to transform it. It's one thing to understand the story and know what happened to you, but you had to find a higher vibration to interact with that story, with that emotion itself. That's how you come to terms with it. Um, And there's various processes and how to do this with that. But this is one of the core ones is to bring in something. Some people would just bring in like the light of God, for example, this would be a spiritual approach where you would feel you would summon or visualize a light coming into your solar plexus. As you thought about the shame or the sadness or the fear and allow it to have a different vibration. Another one of my friends, and I'll put this one out there, we're coming to a close, is they would unwind it, like going in counterclockwise position, they would start to unwind a clock. And let me see, This is be going this way. And as a, they, they just visualize this unwinding at the back of the solar plexus, They would feel the energies or the stories of shame in their life and, you know, kind of relive them and unwind them. And they would do this for hours at a time and they would unwind the emotions. So all of these things are available for you. And, um, you know, what you get when you start to do this is more energy. You're no longer giving your emotions energy or your stories energy that are uh, self-defeating or sabotaging. You're just having no emotion there at all. Something is changing and you're getting more freedom. And when you're not putting a lot of energy to your repressed emotions, because you had to put energy every day to keep emotion repressed and somewhere in the process, it all becomes a habit And it becomes kind of painful, really, uh, on a very subtle level. level. Uh, We get the freedom of not having that. And our clarity starts to show up because we have more energy to focus on the present moment. And uh, that's how it works. That's how consciousness works. So uh, this is Bart Sharp from Becoming Quantum Conscious on United Public Radio. And... UFO Paranormal Radio Network, on Roku, Facebook, YouTube, and other internet platforms. Just bringing this up to you to reflect upon about how you can release these emotions and become a greater person. Really enjoy yourself at a way you never knew. It's one of the core ways of resolving addictions, in my opinion. But that's just an opinion. Uh, so um, we wish you a good day. And uh, next week we have Clark Stan, Strand uh, talking about the evolution of darkness and how to embrace darkness and go beyond darkness to something else. Uh, so I uh, hope you can join us next week. And we wish you the very best. This is Bart Sharp in Becoming Quantum Conscious. Bye for now.